Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Everybody, welcome in episode 12 of the Portland Winterhawks podcast. I'm your host, Andy Durr Johnson. We got so much to get to here in this episode coming up in a little bit. We'll talk with head coach Mike Johnston. Haven't had the chance to catch up with him since all the way back on a season preview episode, the very first episode we did. So it's been a long time and boy, have things changed with this team. And it's, uh, I, I think, a conversation that you'll enjoy about the way the team's been playing, what they're trying to accomplish here in the next couple of weeks. Of course, Nick Merrick, the play by play voice, will join us as he does on every single episode. We'll get the behind-the-scenes look at the way the team's been playing and his perspective on everything going on around this team. And how about those big wins over Seattle as of late? You knew those matchups were going to be contentious. It's a great rivalry. Beating them not only up in Seattle last weekend, but then coming home, beating them uh, back at the Glass Palace on Sunday. Another shutout for Taylor Gauthier. Those were big. You look at those U.S. division standings, and we know Portland, their ultimate goal is to chase down Everett and win the U.S. division title. But also you want to stay out of that four spot in the Western Conference because that first-round matchup gets a little bit tougher. So getting those wins over Seattle was absolutely huge for this team, and it was great to see them get the job done. They still got the T-Birds one more time left here on the schedule in the next couple of weeks, which will be a TV game coming up on Saturday, April 2nd. Uh, Before we get to anything else, though, I do want to make sure we give congratulations, and we'll talk with Mike and Nick about both of these, but to Taylor Gauthier and Cross Hannes, and, you know, these, these guys are preparing themselves for the NHL, and we get wrapped up in you know, the way the team's playing and, and, and the, the playoff chances and all that. But their ultimate goal, obviously, from when they're little kids growing up playing peewee hockey all the way to where they are now is to get that shot at the highest level, at the professional level in the NHL. And Gauthier, when the trade happened, it's like, why isn't this guy on an NHL roster? Why wasn't he drafted? The way that he's played it, it doesn't make any sense. And it's great to see his hard work pay off, getting that entry-level contract signed with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Absolutely deserved. Once again, the goaltender of the week in the WHL. He has been on absolute fire for this team since coming over in the trade from Prince George. So awesome to see that. And Cross Hannes, a, a guy developed in Portland, you know, built his way up throughout the last couple of years, has really turned into an incredible player and a key piece on this team. So to see both those guys Signed that entry-level contract, Cross with Detroit and Taylor with Pittsburgh. Uh, Really cool to see, and I wanted to make sure to give them a shout-out here to open episode 12 of the podcast because they deserve it, and their hard work has absolutely paid off. Well, eight games to go in the regular season. It is going to be an absolute sprint, a very challenging schedule. you got Everett a couple of times, so let's get right to it. The uh, head coach of the Portland Winterhawks, Mike Johnston. I I just got to start with... The, the wins in Seattle, you know, in Seattle and at home against Seattle this past weekend, we know how tight those standings are in the Western Conference, how big that rivalry is. What was that like, the emotions, the atmosphere, and how nice was that for your team to pick up four points against a bitter rival this weekend? Well, as we probably talked about earlier in the year, I, I think Seattle is one of the better teams in our conference because of their depth and, and they have skill and size. And anytime we play them, they're a very tough opponent. And certainly in their building, 
as it's even harder. But I, I've always enjoyed the atmosphere in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a lot of energy in the building, and it's a, kind of a fun rink to play in. I think our players feed off that a little bit as well. So it's a rink that, that we don't mind playing in, but uh, certainly a very tough opponent. Anytime you can sweep them on a weekend, uh, you've played well. Well, and then, you know, on that note, Mike, you know, we talked at the start of the year, and you know, I'm sure as a coach you're never sure how your season's going to go and how your team's going to come together. And you guys didn't get off to the best of starts. You didn't get the news that Jarvis was, you know, coming back, and it's great for him, and he's having such an awesome year in Carolina. I just it, – it, it, something switched for you and your team, uh, in, you know, about what, halfway through December, and, and you went from playing, you know, average, below-average hockey to just being this unstoppable force. Did – could you put your finger on it as a coach? What clicked? Was it just time? Was it gelling? Like what all of a sudden snapped into focus for you guys that has led you from where you were in the standings to now being, you know, near the top of the Western Conference? Well, the biggest change in my mind was the development of our defensemen. And certainly we have made some changes on defense as, as the year went along to allow our young guys more and more playing time. When we moved Cade Nolan earlier in the year as a 20-year-old uh, defenseman to Lethbridge and then Later in the Gauthier trade, we moved uh, Jonas Braunberg, another 20-year-old defenseman. And then that allowed an opportunity for the young guys to start to play more and get in more situations. And I thought that through the first half, they had really developed to a point where we needed to allow them that opportunity. And certainly, you never know how they're going to respond to it when right. you give them a chance to get extra minutes or maybe play power play, penalty kill, those types of situations. But these guys did a great job. And I'm talking about guys like Ryder Thompson and Cagnoni and Maury and Ulsher, all the old fours, the 17-year-old defensemen. And then even a guy like Ryan McCleary hasn't had a lot of experience in the league. He played last year um, in a COVID, shortened COVID season, but that was about it. So a guy like Ryan getting more of a chance to play key minutes against top opponents certainly helped his development through the first half of the year. And our defense has been good. Well, and then on that note, Mike, I'm curious, and I'm sure every player is a different example and you go about it in a different way, but how, how hard is that? Because I'm sure you have to balance. You, you, you want to win now, but you also understand that guys need ice time and they need minutes in order to improve. And how do you try and balance that, you know, with each player of saying, hey, I need to get them out there to get them the reps and get them the experience. But, you know, maybe early on there, there's going to be some lumps because they're just young and they're inexperienced. Well, that's what you saw in our record early in the year. I remember at one point, I think we were 8-11 and 11 or 8-12, and 12 mm-hmm. and looking at trying to get to 500. That was our objective at that time. But I knew that it was just we had to be patient with the group and just see how they evolved. And in our league, you take a look at your group, evaluate them through the first half, and then make decisions heading into the trade deadline. What do you need to do to enhance your team as you move down the stretch run? And we felt that our defense had developed enough that we could move a Bromberg, uh, get a, a goaltender to go with uh, Dante Giannuzzi. So we had a tandem there that that had experience and goal. So now our defense had improved, our goaltending has improved, and our forward group was a group that we always had confidence in from the beginning of the year. So um, it was just it was just a matter of being patient waiting to see how they developed and then evaluating what we needed to tweak the team to make sure we were as good as we could be down the stretch run. Yeah, well, it's clearly worked out. Clinching another playoff spot and the big wins over Seattle this weekend, trying to hold on at least to the three seed and having a chance to chase down Everett there for that top overall record in the, in the Western Conference. You bring up Gauthier. I mean, 
you know, the trade goes down and he's a guy that the numbers don't necessarily jump off the page, you know, from, from Prince George. But I remember talking to folks when the trade happened that he's always been better than the numbers indicate. He just hasn't had a ton of help in Prince George. I mean, I, I'm sure you imagined him upgrading your goaltending situation. Could you imagine it has gone as it would go as well as it has? Because he just seems like he's been standing on his head for the better part of two months. No, I don't think anybody could expect those numbers and those results, but certainly we did our homework on them uh, starting last summer, taking a look at players around the league, and we earmarked, you know, if we were to acquire a forward, who are we going to look for, a defenseman and a goaltender, and in the goaltending category, he was a guy that always came to the forefront because I liked him as a young guy. I thought he was a little bit active when he first came in the league, mm-hmm. but I liked his compete. I liked his battle. I thought he held his team in games. He could win games on his own, and he's a bigger guy. He's a bigger guy that has some poise and, and very good rebound control. So those are the factors that we felt that let, pushed him to the top of the list if we were going to go after a goaltender, and that's what we decided to do in December. Well, and then how nice is it, Mike, as a coach to see? I mean, he, I, I know first a couple of times I got the chance to watch him. I'm just scratching my head saying, why doesn't this guy have a contract in the NHL? And it, just the way he's playing, uh, he deserves it. To see him get the deal, to see Cross Hannis get the deal. I mean, how rewarding is that for you? I know you always wait for draft time, and it's great to see the names call, but some of these guys that maybe fly under the radar that then eventually sign their contracts. How nice and rewarding is that? And how happy were you for Hannis signing that contract in Detroit and Gauthier getting the deal in Pittsburgh? Well, first on the Goche side, uh, we asked that question too, because as you do your research on players, you're always asking, why hasn't he been drafted? Why hasn't an NHL team signed him to a contract? Is there something that we're missing? Because our evaluation of Taylor was that he was at that level of an American Hockey League slash potential NHL goaltender. So we were wondering what we were missing, but we couldn't find anything. So we made the deal, and then all of a sudden, he puts up good numbers. Teams are looking at uh, their goaltending situation for next year, and several teams uh, showed interest with his agent, and Pittsburgh was the one that stepped up in the end. So it was great for Taylor, and it's a great example for kids in the league and for our players that maybe haven't been drafted, that it's never too late. You just have to keep focusing on what you can do and take care of those things on a daily basis. On the flip side, you have a guy like Cross Hannes, who's been with us since he's 15 years of age, at training camp and uh, knowing him as a young guy watching him play in Dallas with the, with the Stars team when he was uh, 14 15 before we drafted him and seeing where he is now as a player both on and off the ice he's he's just had a great career here in Portland he has a he's a really nice personality off the ice I'm sure uh when he's interviewed or when he when he's out in the public you know he's a very he's an energy guy he's always positive and you you just like to see those guys get rewarded for the hard work they put in because he was a skilled player that had to learn how to play an all-round game if he was going to convince NHL teams to draft him and sign him, and he did that. Mm. Well, I, I know, Mike, as a coach, you like to take advantage of team-building opportunities, and I've heard some great stories from earlier in the year of, you know, some, uh, you know, rodeo, at, you know, antics or, you know, chasing down cows in the, in the prairies of Canada. A little bit of a different experience for you guys this week. It feels like you've been on the road for so long and playing so many games. You have a little break in the schedule and, and you go over to Bend. What was the thought process behind that? And how great was it to take Winterhawks hockey to a different part of the state to let some fans that maybe can't get to games all the time because they're a few hours away get a chance to watch you guys skate and practice up close? Well, I really enjoyed it, and I think the players did as well. It was a, it was a change. It was a break. 
it was just something different, and we thought we'd throw it in. Uh, we also had some people from the youth hockey, uh, Winter Hawks Junior Hockey, go down and, and work with the kids there and the coaches there with us. And it was a situation where several years ago we had gone down to Bend in September as a team building exercise uh, to get out of Portland, go do some river rafting and hiking and, and something, some things like that to try and bond the team together. And when we were down there, we saw the beautiful facility that they have. It's 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 an outdoor facility, but it's covered. It has fire pits around it. It's just gorgeous, but it didn't have ice in at that time, obviously because of the weather. Mm -hmm. So I said when we went down there, I said, well, we definitely have to come back here when there's ice in here and have a practice. I think it would be such a neat experience for the players. It's sort of that outdoor experience, but not really outdoors. So um, mm -hmm. it was a chance for our guys just to take a break and do something different. And sometimes practices, one runs into the other. Uh, this was a little bit different for them, and they really enjoyed it. Well, you know, and, and on that note of, of having that team bonding and, and getting over to Bend, I, I'm sure every team gels in, in different ways. And, you know, some some years you get a group that maybe there's one or two guys in there that kind of ruffle some feathers, and not everybody gets along the way you would like to see as a coach. It feels like, and I've had the chance to sit down with a number of players throughout the year on the podcast, that it, it feels like this is a group that has really come together. They've really bonded. Um, and I don't know if it was the shared COVID experience or uh, the way you've been playing. I'm sure that always helps the the locker room camaraderie, but uh, have you noticed that? And, and has this group maybe been different than some in years past? It, it just, it feels like everybody's on the same page pulling for each other and you got a real tight knit group this season. Yeah, they are a very close group, Andy. And I think that what it comes from two things. One is we don't make a lot of changes in our group. So we don't have many additions to the team. Uh, Taylor Goch is the only one. The other players are basically our players. There are players that we've drafted, listed, developed, uh, kind of what I call homegrown players. And I think that when they come up together and, and they they have to overcome some adversity together, that really helps gel the group. And I think that there, our guys now, after the COVID year last year, um, are looking forward to their first playoff experience for many of them. And uh, as a group, they've really come together throughout the year and, and bonded nicely. And it's something that we try and work on early in the season, but you never know how it's going to go. Right, right. I, I did want to sneak in a quick question uh, draft-wise because I haven't had a chance to talk to you in a while. And, I, and correct me if I'm wrong here. I want to make sure I got my my you know facts uh, in, in, in order. But you guys took Luke Bruin in with, with your first pick in, in this year's draft. And I believe I remember hearing that's like the first time you've ever taken a goaltender with the first pick in the draft. It, it, so first, I hope that's true. And then second, what was it about Luke that just kind of made you say, this is this is the guy and this is the route we want to go? Well, it's true since I've been here. I'm not sure prior to that if they've ever taken a goaltender with their first pick, but the first time we've done it, and we had talked about it leading up to the draft, we had looked at our goaltending over the last several years, like who we drafted, how they panned out, uh, that type of thing, and, and we felt that, that we're going to have to commit to taking a goaltender earlier in the draft if we want to get top-end goaltenders uh, like other teams have over the last several years. And by doing that, first you have to evaluate and, and assess who, are, who is the best goaltender out there. And that's not easy to do at 14 years of age when some kids have grown, some haven't, some have filled out, some have matured, some haven't. So Andy Moog and Mackenzie Skavsky are, are our goaltending coaches, and they watch a lot of video. They talk to our scouts. And in the end, that was their assessment that Luke was the best goaltender out there. And what happens in the Bantam draft, if you follow it, 
as soon as one goaltender goes in the draft, then there's a run on goaltenders. Uh-huh, yeah. We felt that we felt if we made a mistake and didn't take him right away, that once a goaltender went, we might not have a pick in that next 10. And then we would lose out on maybe four or five goaltenders. So we said we would strike right away. And as soon as we did, then there was a run on goaltenders right after that. <laughs> That's funny that it works that way, that once somebody takes one, it's like, oh, God, we got to make sure we get our guy, and everybody jumps in at that point in the draft. I mean, you, you got you know a little less than a month to go in the regular season. I think the, the differential right now between you and Everett's about five games, somewhere in that range. You take them on this weekend, of course, starting with Tri-City first at home at the Coliseum. But the, the schedule is really challenging, really demanding. And I, I love the way you look at it. And I'll even hear some quotes and lines after a tough loss where you say it's a great experience and you want them to file it away. You know, a tough loss at home to Seattle, use it as experience and fuel maybe because that's what playoff hockey is going to be like. How important is it to finish strong? And then how do you try and navigate this tough schedule where you got Everett, I want to say three times, you got Seattle again, you got a game against Kamloops on the road. It's just, it, it's going to be a really tough finish over, you know, over the next couple of weeks. But I, I do think it's critical that how we play down the stretch will indicate our ability to perform in the playoffs. We need to simulate as much as possible playoff experience. So that's two things. One, top teams, playing top teams as much as you can. That's that's great, I think, for us. Win or lose, it's going to make us a better team. So that's important. The second thing is is to be in experiences where there's pressure. Uh, pressure in, in the opposition's building, pressure late in the game because you're up, you're down. Uh, those types of situations our players need to face in critical moments. And to simulate that down the stretch run will really help us for playoffs because, as I mentioned, we don't have any players with playoff experience. Or if they right. do, there's, there, I think there's three with four or five games of playoff experience, and that's it. So, And the league is, is basically like that as well. So everybody's trying to look for those opportunities but I think down the stretch run if you have a a series of games which aren't as challenging and there isn't as much pressure in home and in away buildings playing in those buildings and those situations then I don't think it really helps you but for us our schedule is great down the stretch it's it's really going to make sure that we're prepared for playoffs. Yeah, I think I've, I've heard a lot of coaches and managers bring that up, even in other sports, where they want to have something to play for in the last couple of weeks instead of just, yeah. you know, everything's locked up and you're kind of coasting to the end of the regular season and then you got to flip that switch again uh, come playoff time. Last one for you, Mike. It's been great to see the fans continuing to come back into the building and the crowd's kind of growing in size. And, you know, as of late, you guys had, I think, close to 6,000 in the building for that win against Seattle uh, at home on Sunday night. Just how nice has that been? Obviously, last year was such a, you know, hopefully an outlier but getting that support back and then especially come playoff time when that building should be rocking well the last month the energy in the building's been outstanding and the players really feed off that and it certainly it it is going to be an advantage in playoffs that our fans how engaged they are in the game and how they help the team at critical moments whether we we score we get a good scoring chance the surge in the billing just pushes the team to another level mm-hmm. so that'll be that'll be important uh, as we enter playoffs and i think it's ex- just exciting for everybody after the covid stretch uh, both last year and the beginning of this year to see just the enthusiasm and the energy and people coming out to the rink again uh, it's really nice to see and last week or two weeks ago it was really nice when you had the NCAA basketball here yeah. at us on campus. So this whole campus was buzzing last week, and it was great. It was just 
really nice to see. Yeah, really fun to see. No doubt about it. It's been great to see the crowds back, not only for the tournament, but obviously uh, for Hawks games. And it's going to be awesome come playoff time. Well, well, thanks so much, Mike. I always enjoy the, the conversations and having a chance to catch up. It's been a while. So thanks for taking the time on the podcast. And, yeah, you know, less a couple of weeks left in the regular season. It's going to be a mad finish. Can't wait for playoff time. Congrats on, again, uh, clinching a playoff spot. I know you want more than that, but congrats on that first uh, you know, benchmark to cross. And best of luck the rest of the way. We always appreciate it. Thanks, Andy. It should be fun. All right. As always on the Winterhawks podcast, joined by the voice and our good friend, Nick Merrick, the voice of the Portland Winterhawks. And Nick, buddy, I mean, I got to start the same place that I started with Mike because the last time we talked two weeks ago, we highlighted how challenging the schedule was going to be. And I know they kind of slept, walked through that Vancouver game, came back late, but uh, fell just short. But outside of that, they win the shootout back on March 11th in Seattle. Then you fast forward to this past weekend. You're up in Seattle, four to one win, come back home on Sunday night, a shutout for Gauthier. I mean, three wins over Seattle. You're widening that gap. Just how impressed are you? You know, the way they're playing against a team that the last time we saw them face off against Seattle, it was a pretty tough matchup for Portland. Yeah, it was. And those were fantastic wins. I mean, to to have three games in the schedule, knowing you were going to play last time we chatted against Seattle and say, okay, this is kind of where your season is going to get shaped out. You know, if you go in two of the three, you're going to be a good spot. Now, looking back, the Hawks won all three of three. So they're in a terrific chance now to uh, not only almost guarantee themselves home ice because they, you know, they're, I think they're about three and a half games up now on Mm -hmm. Seattle and about the same distance up on, on Kelowna. Uh, But now you're still in contention for, for pushing for a Western conference title in the regular season, which is what the team's goal was in the last, uh, I would call it a month and a half or so once this kind of became a reality. Um, But it was a terrific job well done there by the team throughout. Uh, Of course, Seattle did come in a little shorthanded, but you know, the Hawks have been shorthanded many a times this season already. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of the nature of the course. Right. Uh, but it's just going to happen. You're going to you're going to stumble into some injuries. You're going to have some, uh, you know, some players away, and then they focus on the CHL NHL top prospects game, which was very enjoyable to watch the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's Portland's focusing on Everett. Now you have three games left of the eight against the Everett Silvertips. Uh, one of which is coming this weekend, so that's going to be an important one. But you're in a spot if you're Portland, if you want to actually make a contention, you probably want to. Well, you you want to win all all eight, no matter what, but. Uh, to have your most realistic chance of trying to win a Western Conference title or a U.S. Division title, uh, you're going to pretty much need to win out. Well, and then on that Everett note, I think the unique part is, I mean, I think the five-point difference right now between the two of them, and you got that game against Tri-City Friday night, you're like, hey, don't look ahead. I know that next one's big, but don't look ahead of Tri-City. We just We haven't seen, it's unique the way the schedule breaks down sometimes every year, where it feels like Seattle and Portland have had so many matchups kind of jammed into the last two months, and I think by my count, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but going all the way back to January 1st, I think we've only seen twice and Portland's won both of them, but it's a matchup that we're just not quite as familiar with. So does that make it more challenging? Does that make it more exciting? Just how do you view that? They just haven't seen Everett. Now you're going to see him what three times in the next three weeks. Right. Well, the big thing there too with Everett was the fact that you saw them so much early on uh, when you're seeing them a lot in, in October, and November, that's when the Hawks weren't at their full strength. Uh, kind of just go right back to the point. There was no Jaden Drew yet in the picture. Uh, the rookies were still developing. Right. Now all of a sudden, uh, taking a glimpse at it, the, the Winterhawk rookies are the third best rookie group in the entire Western League uh, in terms of their point production this season. So they've kind of come to their own. Everything's kind of clicked then, but I think it's the last four games now against uh, Everett. The Winterhawks have actually won, so they're matching up pretty well against Everett. 
Uh, Everett's kind of been going back and forth with goaltending situation of, you know, they want to ride McKinnis, they want to ride Holt. They had an injury with Braden Holt earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously when, when Taylor Gauthier came in, he kind of established himself as a 20-year-old and, and as the guy who's going to take the workload down the stretch. Uh, and and that's good. Like you want to you want to be able to differentiate at this point. Uh, somebody you could lean on, and somebody you can kind of gear those games towards. And you could you could just see in the last week or so that you know they wanted to go with Taylor Gauthier now, and uh, his shutout was another impressive yeah. showing there. Nothing too crazy. The team played really well in front of him. I know he'll be the first to admit that too. But you know, let's say the three grade A saves he had to make, he made them, um, and that's kind of the difference of, of helping the team just keep that confidence moving into every weekend saying, okay, if, if our goalie's going to make those saves, all we have to do is, you know, let's put three or four pucks in the net. And then all of a sudden we, we you know, our chances to win just double, triple, right. um, you know, they go off the charts. So uh, it, it's kind of exciting to, to see that there's so many more games against Everett left this season, because then in a way you kind of control your own destiny. And that's what you want. If you're a team trying to push for something, you don't want to be a situation where, you know, you already finished your season with Everett. That happened a couple of years ago. And then all of a sudden now you're just praying for other teams to beat them, uh, you know, or same situation if it would have been with Seattle. So the fact they have almost half the remaining games left against the team you're trying to catch, that's good for two reasons. One, if you want to try to, you know, prove that you're better than them and, and get ahead of them in the standings by the end of the regular season. And then also B, in case there is a potential matchup in, in the playoffs, now you get some confidence, you know, playing head-to-head against them again. You're going to get very comfortable with it. And it's you know a chance to make some statements. Right, right. I, I love that point too. You got it in your own hands. It, it, your destiny is right there for you. You just got to go take care of business. That's a good place to be. And you mentioned the defense in front of Gauthier, and I wanted to ask you about that because you've highlighted that throughout the year on the podcast. It's something you don't necessarily pay a lot of attention to, whether it's you know the forwards not helping them when you're turning the puck over in your own end, or sometimes goaltender stats can be skewed if you're not playing well in, in, in front of them. And I asked Mike that, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. He said... The, the biggest reason for the turnaround, he thinks, is just the development of those young defensemen. And I know you've highlighted that, but, I mean, touch on that from Sunday and the way they played in front of Gauthier. It really feels like those young guys getting this first late-season experience in their career have really come into their own, and they're playing with a ton of confidence right now. No, it's exactly true. And obviously it's uh, easy to validate Mike because that's the same kind of message I hear when I'm walking around the locker room or, or around that team setting uh, is just the fact that he's very complimentary of how well the defensive core is, has really gelled together and, um, you know, are helping each other get better. And then they're going through the ups and downs. You're going to handle some adversity. And, you know, there's a time when you're only going to have uh, five defensemen dressed for half the game. Okay, well, now those guys are going to play a lot more minutes. So they put them in those higher pressure situations, sometimes not on purpose. Sometimes it just happens. It's, it's part of the season. Right. Uh, and then, but then they're able to get better because, you know, you, you can't improve unless you, unless you fail. You've got to <laughs> fail to succeed. Uh, so it's kind of one of those mantras. But honestly, the, the defensive core for the Winterhawks has been terrific. Everyone kind of has its own identity, and that's what was really differentiating it. Like, everyone comes in and they think they know what players they are, and at least this is how I feel that, you know, WHL players, when they break into the league, they, they're understanding. You had Mark Alstra, who was a guy coming in, uh, a pretty good two-way defenseman, but, you know, kind of figure out the American ice again. It's new territory for him. He's 17 years old, first year. He's going to have two or three more years to grow in Portland. Uh, then all of a sudden, starts working with, uh, you know, Don Hay, and they're blocking shots, and, and Don's looking at him and he's like, Mark, you're, you're terrific here. Like, this is 
this is your game. Right. You are a defensive-minded game right now. You play physical. You play big. You, you shut things down. He's like, the offense are going to kind of come. But, like, that's, you know, it's one of those, like, that's not the role this team needs you for right now. Uh, because for that, then they're already looking towards Clay Honest, who's leading the WHL in scoring. Mm-hmm. Luca Cagnoli's been a terrific rookie scorer. Uh, Ryan McCleary's getting some power play time. So it's almost like the players themselves, too, figure out the roles that they need to be. And then once they fully commit to that and they go, oh, you know, you're right. This is working. What I'm doing here is working. That's what's going to catch some attention to, um, you know, not only from different opponents, but also from professional scouts. And, and that's what this is. This whole journey is about as well right. is the hope for winning championships, but also the, the, you know, to develop on the ice and to put yourself in the best position to be a professional player. Um, so the team's coming together nicely. And, and you know, I give a huge kudos and, and, and uh, hats off to them because there's been a lot of ups and downs, but they've handled it well. And, uh, you can kind of see those little finer, uh, you know, improvements and developments from each guy and just playing a simple game and a, and a good team game with unity. Yeah, I, I love that anecdote, too, of just figuring out your role on the team and what you do well and how you can utilize that to help everybody else and how everybody has their kind of different strengths and just knows exactly what's needed them night in and night out. It, it's working right now. I got to ask you personally, how nice has it been to kind of sleep in your own bed for the better part of two weeks? <laughs> it has been nice. It has been nice. There's been a couple of uh, uh, up and back travels and, and whatnot. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I remember when I looked at the schedule when we were coming back from the holiday break. I, I looked at it and I go, oh boy, team's going to be on the bus every <laughs> single week. And that's still true. Like the team's still on the bus. But, yeah. um, you know, that's that's kind of the repercussions of having a nice uh, month long homestand back in November. <laughs> right. uh, but it's been great being back home here. I, I, I'm just kind of, uh, it's good to stay on the bus to an extent of it'll keep you mentally ready for playoffs. But, uh, you know, the team knows it's a grind. And then they had a fun trip to Bend, which uh, kind of to your point, didn't have a chance to go on that trip, which was which was nice. I, I got to give a couple of the coworkers a chance to go down there. And there's going to be some great behind-the-scenes content coming out, uh, you know, on the Winterhawk social media page in the coming days. But uh, even like that, it's just, a, you know, a three-hour bus ride down, a three-hour bus ride back you don't have to worry about. And obviously the team's connecting, but it's kind of nice just to be able to get to home base and get some work done. <laughs> I, can imagine, I imagine your wife is probably happy too. The husband's around a little bit more. That makes things a little easier at home. I, your, your point's so funny too about November. You kind of, you know, when you have a stretch like that, you're going to have to pay for it somewhere down the road. And that is, that has certainly 100%. been the case. It feels like here the last two months. I, I want to ask you from just the inside angle that you've had of, you know, I, you know, I remember when the Gauthier trade went down it's like, all right, this guy's good. Why hasn't he been drafted? Uh, you know, we imagine the numbers are going to be better. He has been, I mean, far and away better than I think anybody imagined when, when the trade happened to see him sign that contract. I mean, just what was that like? What is Has his mood lifted? I, I imagine that's a huge weight off of his shoulders and validation for all the hard work that he's put in. Well, it's terrific. And I may jump ahead of you, too, in terms of your questioning here with me, Andy. But, uh, you know, the fact that even two players yeah, were able yeah. to uh, sign professional contracts in the NHL uh, yeah, but before the playoffs even begin, it's, it is a huge weight off their shoulder. When, when talking with uh, both Taylor Gochi and then the other one I'm referring to is Cross Hannis signing with Detroit, um, you know, they, they both were saying, like, you just feel that pressure that's always been around you because it's been their personal goal for, let's say, 10 years, maybe a little bit longer. But, you know, basically when they started with hockey and they, they realized that this could become a path for them, and they were actually pretty good at their age bracket when they were 10 years old and whatnot, um, that I want to play in the NHL. That's pretty cool. I want to be those guys I see on the TV. Um, so to get that taken care of, if, if that's the right word, uh, before playoffs begin, it's just one less distraction for them. Then they kind of refocus on the team thing. Because you always see, you always hear teams and coaches and players, they always say, like, i got to focus on the team game because I understand if the team's succeeding, then I'm going to find success through that. 
uh, you know, kind of like that theory of osmosis or whatever you want to call it, right. uh, where it's like teams doing well, I'm going to do well. Uh, and it's kind of true. And the team's been doing well, obviously. So then not surprised that two NHL contracts come out of the team doing well. Uh, but then it's more on, okay, now that's done. That Even if it was in your brain, it's out of your brain. Like you're just excited. You can look forward to that and, you know, put a pin in it per se, and you're going to feel the emotion to be excited and, and deservedly so. You need to enjoy that moment. Um, you know, take as much time you want there to, to continue the conversation with family and friends. And, and it's cool. It's a terrific accomplishment, uh, you know, to, to achieve a dream that big and see it kind of become a reality, at least the first step of it becoming a reality. And then uh, then you can just focus on the playoffs run. And then when the offseason does eventually come, which hopefully it's going to be in late June or July, <laughs> uh, then, then, then you can kind of focus on the next steps. And obviously for Taylor, he won't be able to come back to the league this year. So he'll be fully committed on trying to make a – you know, the American Hockey League team or, or even crack the NHL roster of 21 if you can. I would probably expect Wilkes Barre, their AHL affiliate, be most likely. Um, and then similar kind of situation with Cross because he'll just be a 20 year old season next year, meaning he could play in the NHL, but then he has to be in the NHL. Right. Um, if not, then they, they, you know, or I guess they, uh, sorry, they could actually put him back in the AHL with Grand Rapids. So that he could either play in Detroit or they could play in the AHL affiliate in Grand Rapids. Um, or send him back if they want him to get one more year development in Portland. So kind of a couple of different scenarios, but um, it, signing time is always a great time of the year here in the office. Well, and, it, you know, as you point out, it is we get so caught up in the division race and the U.S. division and the playoff chances in this team. I mean, they are, they are loaded, they're on fire, and we're all focused on what they can accomplish. But then you remind yourself, for a lot of these guys, of course they want to win, but the, the ultimate goal and the point of this organization and the league is to develop guys for the next level, and not many teams in the the entire WHL do that better than Portland. So just to add two more kind of check marks and names that you can put up on the board of guys that get those NHL contracts. That is, it's so cool for them. And, and the hard work is paying off. I, I did want to know too. I mean, I I've seen, you know, I, I remember being at the Seattle game when it didn't go their way. And it was, it was great though, because of the crowd, I, it was a dis- disappointing result on the night, but it felt like the tide was turning and here we go. We're going to start getting some big numbers back here at the Coliseum. And I think that might've been the highest attendance number of the year. And then over the last two weeks, we see, a game against Vancouver on a Saturday night that I know they lost, but north of 5,000. The Sunday shutout win over Seattle, almost 6,000 fans in the building. It feels like it's building that way. And how much have, have you sensed that? And how much does that help the team, you think, just on a game-in and game-out basis to have that great atmosphere behind them? It is. It's undoubtedly building. Uh, it's going to take a little time, of course, because everyone's cautioned so about COVID, and rightfully so. It's going to come back at their own manner. Um, but to see the energy just continue to build and, and crescendo into what this playoff season is going to be is, is truly um, mind-boggling and very exciting. Like It, it was probably the first month uh, here in March when I, when I had the chills getting back in the broadcast booth because the Portland fans have just been so great. Uh, you know, even when the crowd wasn't there, they were still very engaged. But then when it just takes a different dimension when you get those 5,000 to 6,000-plus fans in attendance each night and even on a Sunday game on a Tuesday game now um, you know people want to come and they want to support the Winter Hawks and and they know the team's been having some success so everyone's having some fun with their friends and family uh, and then from the player side it's funny I've said this story before but in uh, in that game against Vancouver 
Obviously, the team's playing its fourth game in five nights. It's right. a tough stretch. And uh, just honestly looking back, just glad it came through with no injuries um, from that situation because that's typically what those bursts of schedule you kind of think of. Like, oh, boy, that's a lot of hockey for these, you know, for these developing men. Like, this could be troublesome in terms of, uh, you know, conditioning and training. But then that's where you're like, well, kudos to Rich Campbell. He does it again. He gets the guys <laughs> right. in shape. Um, but anyways, the team's, team's down 6 nothing, And you're thinking, okay, the team's probably just tired, understandably so. I get it. It's this is not very fun to be a part of, I'm sure, for the players. Let's just get through it, move on to the next week. And then all of a sudden, the team scored a goal. And puck went in. And the next thing you notice, it was just kind of a, just a little cleanup right in the crease. Um, nothing crazy, nothing highlight reel, just a, a good goal, good greasy winner off goal to get on the board. And the crowd erupted, just went bananas. <laughs> and it, it was kind of building. And I'm sure it's a mixture of being down so much that you want to show your support. And boy, do they ever show their support. At that moment, I don't know why. But it like it just sits in with me still to this day. Like, I, you know, of course it's a week ago, but I'm, I'm going to remember this one for a while because it felt like a, a, you know, some middle game four, game five in the playoffs, <laughs> and the goal horn goes off and fans are going TNT and they were loud and it, it just kind of brought back the moment of like this is pretty cool. Like the team is yeah. down by six, now down by five, but the fans are still extremely excited. They're extremely into it, and that was the, that was probably my favorite these Portland fans are outstanding this year moment that I had. And then even when I talked down, you asked if the players feel it when I went down to the locker room afterwards, just to kind of be like, Oh man, you know, Hey, you know, great, great game today. You almost came back. Like that was an unbelievable comeback effort. Like it probably would have set a history a record. I'm sure <laughs> right. if the Hawks could have came back from down six. They were one goal short. Uh, but then I, I saw Kyle Chizowski and he looked at me and he goes, man, Nick, that was something. And I looked back at him. I thought I was talking about the comeback effort. And I was like, yeah, like that was incredible how close <laughs> this team was, like right in the cost. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, that's great and all, but like the crowd was awesome. He was like, that was one of the better crowds we played in front of. And, and I, so he kind of that's even so got cool. the feeling too, where like he felt the energy built. And then the team was able to kind of use that energy onto their bench to, to mount a comeback. So whenever fans kind of ask the question, like, can you guys hear me in the, you know, when, when we're cheering? Well, there's pretty much your answer, right? Like <laughs> that energy bruise and, and it's well received well and it's it's i mean god to, to be down six nothing to score five unanswered goals if there was that much noise for the first one i can't even imagine how much noise happened for the fifth one is it's like oh my god are they actually going to do this it's building and then i mean now you're at the point a couple weeks left in the regular season i think eight games to go as we've highlighted a handful of those against everett and you're going to have that chance potentially to chase down another u.s division title which would be incredible only a couple of them are at home but just what are you looking for from this team to finish is strong. I know Mike loves the schedule. He loves being challenged down the stretch, but it's going to be a fun sprint here in the next couple of weeks to the end of the regular season. It will be. I think the biggest thing for the team is just going to come down to consistency. Just making sure you're playing your team game. Obviously, you want the wins to come because you do want to still chase down an Everett, but end of the day, if that doesn't happen, you just want to be a consistent team playing good hockey going into the playoffs so that way you can kind of take that own momentum in the first round and, and you can kind of build that confidence saying, you know, like an example of the Vancouver one, I know I've used this one out three times, but the fact that you scored five straight when you were down by six, those little moments are going to help in playoffs. So kind of just handling this stretch for whatever may come of it. Obviously, three home games, five road games until the regular season ends for the Hawks. Um, but just, just kind of play their game, make sure that everyone's pleased with the performance of the team. If you hit a hot goalie, so what? You know, it, it happens. 
it happens a couple of times. Mm-hmm. If you you know if you let in a couple too many power plays, now that's something you can correct. So fix those little finer tune things now. That way you get rid of those any habits you might build up here in the second half of the season in case you do get in a situation where you know there's not much to play for because we've seen that in the past where every once in a while when it was the old playoff setup, it was uh, you know the team would be playing in the U.S. division only for the first couple of rounds. So essentially, if that were true for this year, if the playoff format didn't change so they, they seed one through eight in the Western Conference, we would have known, like, let's say February 1st, that it would have been Portland-Seattle first round. Right. Okay, cool. Like, it's nice to have a rivalry game, but then, like, what's the point of playing the last 20 games of the season? It just be kind of becomes mundane, and all you're going to do is just, you know, I don't know if players are going to be checked out or what's going to happen. You could have injury stuff. Like, who knows? Different. It's kind of a different hockey game then. But uh, the point of bringing that up is the team's kind of focusing on something that they could they could make sure they take care of their, you know, what they can control, and you're still at least in contention. So it's not like you're going to, you know, ease up anything and, and think less of this schedule. So uh, we'll see. It'll be kind of exciting, and, and hopefully the team just continues to, you know, stay on this peak going into playoffs. Yeah, I mean, your point, too. I love the format change, just giving everybody something to to chase down. I mean, all the way to that last night of the regular season, I know I'm dreaming the scenario in my mind that Friday, April 15th, Everett's in town, last game, last home game, and yep. you got a shot. Potentially, you know, there's one point or two points separating. You got, an, you got an opportunity there maybe to win the division. I would love for it to come down to that, and it's a great just kind of starting point into the into the playoffs for you. I love the format change. And uh, last one. Too. Yeah, last one for you, Nick a two-parter one how cool was it Sunday to have the the old buckaroos in town I love the, the promo nights the team does are just incredible so how fun was that do you have any extra buck, buckaroos gear hanging around for me and then any other promos <laughs> coming I mean only a couple home games we got any other promo nights left you know good good question I'll start with the buckaroos it was terrific seeing a couple of uh familiar faces to the rink I, I know I, I you know I don't go back uh in terms of my viewership here in the Portland area that far, but right. I've known a couple of those just from seeing uh, Bellarive and Tom McVie and, um, uh, you know, just kind of walk around the VMC a little bit and every once in a while would pop in and say hello to some of the staff members. So there were a couple of familiar faces that I knew and, and got to have just a very brief conversation. I know they were probably overwhelmed. I saw many people were down kind of walking the hallway. So <laughs> almost just, sit, just went in and said my hello. I, I think the fans enjoyed it as well. A couple got some autographs and, um, in terms of the uh, merchandise, there actually still is some merch in the team store. Let's go, baby. Um, from, from what I understand. So you can get some nice Portland Buckaroos apparel next time you're over at the rink, Andy. I'll, I'll make sure I snag you one and, and while I'm ready for you in the booth. But, um, no, very, very cool to have those nights. It kind of came together a little bit late. Uh, big shout out there, too, to Scott Peterson, who really helped out with all the memorabilia on the concourse because that was maybe one of the more fascinating like, uh, you know, visuals of the night in terms so of cool, yeah. different jerseys through the years and, and just different uh, hockey memorabilia from Portland and, and really showcasing its history. So I always love the, uh, the memorabilia that he's got. And he, he was able to bring it and kind of, you know, put it up on display for the fans to see it again. Uh, but now in terms of what's next for the team, I think the biggest uh, in terms of a promotion, uh, probably just the Jersey off their backs, you, you know, the team partnered up with Portland gear for the, uh, all the apparel this season. That's how, Hawks are able to get more uh, merchandise in-house and, and being able to give those to fans. Um, but Portland Gear helped in collaboration to, to make a new specialty jersey. Uh, they, they kind of use their like iconic teal color into our Winter Hawks logo. Um, and then they, they call it's called the Deep Freeze jersey. So it's like a frozen rose textured white jersey um, with like teal and black accents. And those are uh, going to be raffled off. Actually, that ends on March 25th, the raffle does. Then the winners are going to be selected. And then on the April 2nd game, 
uh, against Seattle. 22 fans are going to take home, uh, you know, some game-worn jerseys from the Winterhawks. They can have them sign it. And uh, just kind of a cool, cool game in terms of, uh, you know, having a little bit more of that connection between the, the team and the fans. And uh, we had a little bit of that, too, at the little season ticket holder party for some of our members last weekend. And that was terrific, just getting back to normal. Like, it, it was yeah, – yeah. I know that word's been thrown out, you know, for the last year now of, like, when are we getting back to normal, a sense of normalcy. Um, but just, like, those little moments you have where it's like, oh, yeah, we can actually pull in the season take a hold, and I can have a face-to-face conversation with them. We don't have to worry about masks. We don't have to worry about the social distancing side. Uh, it's just nice to be able to connect with a fan base that's given so much to this organization. It's just kind of one of those moments. Like, obviously, that they're getting raffle tickets for the, for the Winterhawks Amateur Hockey Association, which is going to help the Players' Education Fund. So, once they graduate from the WHL, uh, they have that money put aside for them to, you know, to help with the expenses of tuition and books and all that jazz for college and university studies. Um, but, you know, in the same regard, then you're, you're, you're putting in for a chance for a raffle and then take home a game-worn jersey. So that's also pretty cool. And uh, then, it's, then it's playoff time, baby. Then we're focusing on the run and 11th season, the Hawks will be in the playoffs. That's pretty cool. Um, I know the coaching staff always loves to win 40 games. That's kind of their benchmark for each season if they know they have a successful team. And uh, fifth straight year under Mike, there's another 40-win season already, and we still have eight games to go. So, uh, you know, job well done there for the turnaround that's happened here in the Rose City, and uh, it's just kind of an exciting time. Well, and to your point, those Portland gear jerseys, if fans haven't seen those yet, go look at the Hawks. I think they're on the website. They're on the social media channels. I know that. Those are sweet, man. They, they knocked that design out of the park. They are. They're very cool. They're, they're definitely unique and different from anything I think we've had in the store before. So that's what kind of uh, uh, makes them stand out from the crowd. And, and fans can still purchase them online, too. Shopwinterhawks.com will we'll have, uh, uh, you know, those special T-shirts and hoodies and, um, you know, not the exact game-worn replicas, but there were replicas last time I saw. Maybe those are even sold out by now. Uh, but at least fans can purchase them online as well. That's so cool. Yeah, they did a great job. Make sure to enter for that. Uh, mentioned the, the deadline this weekend, so get those in. That game coming up on April 2nd, another TV game between Portland and Seattle. Well, buddy, it is, it's funny. Every time we talk, every two weeks, so much has changed, and I can't even imagine what the conversation is going to be because the next time we talk, you're going to have those, what, two, three games, uh, again, or at least two of the games against Everett under your belt, and, hey, you win both of those. This, this division race could be wide open. It is so much fun, and a couple of weeks to go in the regular season, so we always enjoy it. Awesome insight. Always appreciate the time and uh, we'll catch up again in two weeks and maybe we're breaking down the Hawks being in first place in the U.S. division. We'll have to wait and see. That does sound terrific and that's actually a very good point, Andy. I didn't uh, didn't even think about how much things will change in two weeks. It's kind of a scary thought to think of but (laughs) I do know for fans too, everyone's kind of getting eager too about playoff situation, uh, playoff packages are going on sale now, Uh, but additionally home ice will probably be figured out by the second week in April. So we still have a little bit more time until those single game tickets or, or kind of the rough idea of when the home games would be comes out. So I know playoffs is obviously next on everybody's mind. Now the team's clinched. Um, So just wanted to make that little plug uh, to keep your eyes open. Maybe, you know, a week of April 4th, let's say, uh, for hopefully getting some news if the playoffs, if the schedule works itself out for the Hawks to maybe have some home ice advantage and get those first playoff games announced. Oh, that'd be huge. I'm already looking forward to Saturday or Friday, April 22nd, Saturday, April 23rd, a couple of home playoff games starting the playoffs. It's going to be right around the corner. I can't wait. We'll catch up again in two weeks. Thanks, buddy. That sounds great. 
All right, can't thank Mike enough, can't thank Nick enough. Loved both their insights. It was great to catch up with Nick again after the last couple of weeks and then uh, to talk with Mike and just to, to hear from him. It's been a while since I've had the chance to sit down and talk with him. So great to hear from the head coach and love his points about the way the young defensemen have really developed as the year has gone on. Those guys are playing lights out in front of their goaltender and this team is clicking. You look at the schedule coming up. Don't forget a Friday night home game against Tri-City starts a huge weekend. That next game, obviously, on Saturday night up on the road against Everett. They got Everett again next weekend only a couple of chances left to see him at the vmc before the end of the regular season that next game after friday is going to be saturday april 2nd it's the jersey off the back of the players night so make sure you enter for a chance to win those and, and if you haven't seen those jerseys yet go check them out they're all over the hawk social media uh, channels they are really really cool the portland gear team did an awesome job collaborating with the hawks making those specialty one-off jerseys they they are badass man and then it's all going to come down to april 15th hopefully we'll wait and see that last game with Everett in town maybe the u.s division is uh is on the line that last night at home at the memorial coliseum well that will do it for us here on episode 12 i can't thank you enough for all the support throughout the course of the year for listening to all these episodes i hope you're getting some good insight and some behind the scenes look at a team that is uh, playing some great hockey right now we can't wait for the playoffs to get here only a couple weeks away thanks so much again for listening to episode 12 of the portland winterhawks podcast for tickets and for more information you can go check them out winterhawks.com until next time go hawks can I help you? Looked at him and said, yes, you can. Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni. Yeah, I want to drive the Zamboni. Yes, I do. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.